right. to talk. So. What a mess. There's <laughs> uh, <it's> cold open. <laughs> what a mess. What a mess. Uh, and yet, and yet, soft positive on it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome back to Ben and Matt's Marvellous Journey. This is a podcast dedicated to the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are looking at everything that came out in 2021. And this is episode 32, which brings us to the Eternals. My name is Matt Waters. I am joined by Ben Phillips. Ben, what a mess. What a mess. Um, it's, I, I, I don't know what Marvel was thinking I'm... When they greenlit this movie, yeah. especially because they'd already poo-pooed Inhumans. Uh-huh. Like, so I... they just made Inhumans with less recognisable well, characters. That's the thing is, it feels like so. Let's let's do comic book corner a little bit. Earlier. Sure. Fuck so, it. <laughs> so basically, it feels like a lot of Marvel's headspace was kind of so Inhumans and Eternals are both Jack Kirby creations, as are the X-Men, who is probably the most important kind of, like, other thing to bring up here. Really? Yeah, in terms of, like, they're all Jack Kirby creations, but obviously... Are they? <laughs> yeah, suddenly Jack Kirby created the X-Men. I guess. I Yeah, I know, it's the original five X-Men. It's <laughs> yeah, alright, alright, yeah, uh, yeah. It doesn't become the X-Men until Chris Claremont comes yeah, in. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, the Inhuman... Yeah, the Inhumans debut in Fantastic Four in, like, a random issue, mm-hmm. and then eventually later way 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 down the line they become the great white hope for marvel yes. in the middle of this turmoil when they've signed the rights of the x-men away game of thrones is the hottest show on television let's do palace intrigue with with weird sexy people <laughs> yeah marvel pivots their entire comic book line into supporting the inhumans uh-huh. oh jobs. god one of the worst times to be a marvel comic reader honestly like the, the how hard they pushed the inhumans to try and make them a thing to like I think you were about to say, like, Paul Mutter is basically saying, fuck X-Men, fuck Fantastic Four, this is what we're about, and it yeah, was exactly. so grim. <laughs> like, but the thing is, the X-Men were too popular for them to go away completely. But they literally, it was literally Inhumans versus X-Men, and, like, like the Inhumans, like, killed Cyclops for a bit, and stuff like this. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You are poisoning your brand at this point, but the Fantastic Four fully go away, but the, X- the yeah. X-Men get to have like fights against the Inhumans, and then Disney buys Fox, and all of a sudden X-Men becomes the hottest Marvel property yeah. in the world, and yeah. still functionally is, is like the one that like every single time there's a new raft of announcements, everyone's yeah. like, oh my god. Look at this hot new writer who's writing a new X Men yeah. book. It's weird because, like, you know, we criticize all the time how often they go to a new number one, how often they reboot stuff. X Men, I feel, once every two years, say fuck it and reboots the entire line with eight new books, and we lap it up with a fucking spoon. Yes, because <laughs> they get weird writers, and I like that. <laughs> they do get weird writers almost all the time, but yeah. So that's that's kind of like the history behind this. And then this movie gets announced, and everyone kind of goes like, "Really, the Eternals? <laughs> a who, cocky who, swing." <laughs> Jack Kirby creates almost every single famous Marvel character. And if yeah. he isn't the co-creator, then Stanley is the other. Well, Steve Ditko is the other co-creator. Yeah. But Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> Doctor Strange. Have you heard of him? So Jack Kirby gets kind of like pissed off with how Marvel treats him. So he goes to DC mm-hmm. and creates something called the New Gods. Yes. Which 
is kind of his calling card at DC. He gets to craft his own little tiny universe that then becomes the linchpin for the entirety of like DC's events. Mm-hmm. Is Darkseid and Mr. Yeah. Miracle and and all these characters and stuff like that. And people, it doesn't get the respect it does uh, at the time in terms of like overall commerciality, and it gets kind of gets cancelled. But it has slowly become kind of like a cornerstone of all yeah. of DC's things. And it's, I'll say it every given opportunity, super fucked up they cancelled Tom King and Obi Duvernay's uh, New Gods movie that they were working on because of how Darkseid appeared in the Snyder Cut, which is getting no follow-up whatsoever, so who fucking gives a shit? And like, also he kind of looks like a bitch in that movie because he gets taken out in seconds by, is it Ares? Yeah. And then just like he's sitting in a chair like, like oh wow, you're scary. But anyway, so he basically doesn't. Get, he gets to finish off his books, but kind of gets disillusioned with what he's doing over there. So yeah. he comes back to Marvel, just does and, it again, just, and just renames it, it. He creates the Eternals, which is basically free reign. Jack Kirby getting to do whatever the hell he wants, and so he creates what is again kind of palace intrigue, and we get all the stuff involving Celestials, which are like his big creation that kind of like mm-hmm. are the, the thing from the Eternals that he makes that kind of goes. Yeah outside of it like you see the 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 celestials pop up all over the place yeah to this day i mean in the current avengers their base is i mean the the end of this movie we have a celestial like frozen half emerged that's base. they they live in the body of a dead celestial the current avengers we've we've already seen the celestials (laughs) pop up in the marvel universe at this point like nowhere is the head of a dead celestial and like they were like yeah they yeah, they're tied into Guardians, they were tied into X-Men for a really long time. Like, I feel like a Celestial, like, touched down outside of their San Francisco base and stuff, and Sinister was involved with it all, and yeah. Yes. But the Eternals kind of is this thing that gets rebooted every kind of, like, ten years or so, and they get, like, ten, twenty issues, and then they kind of go away. And everyone yeah. was like, really? <laughs> like, the, the one, when they announced this movie, everyone kind of pointed to Neil Gaiman having done a run in the early 2000s yeah. for these characters. But really, there is, apart, unless you read the original Jack Kirby run, which is only, like, 19 issues, there is really not much to go on. No. And they are more well-known for guest appearances and for Jim Starlin, who... <laughs> basically creates a character called Thanos mm-hmm. who is in no way a ripoff of Darkseid who is in no way a ripoff of Darkseid but basically forces him into being the most famous Eternal despite the fact not being in Jack Kirby's original run yeah and many thoughts to be honest because you know you and I and the nerds we know Thanos is an Eternal zero mention of this in anything pre the Eternals and it's like yeah okay that makes sense that's messy let's just He's just a guy, whatever. He's purple, doesn't matter. And it's like, okay, now the Eternals is coming out. That's interesting. And then <laughs> Harry fucking Styles shows up at the end. As his brother. As his brother Star Fox, the rapist. There was a story where he makes people fall in love with him, essentially. And it was ruled that he had essentially raped many women. I think She-Hulk was the prosecutor and a victim. Um, that's all fun. So yeah, Harry, Harry Styles has the lovely task of trying to play that. But yeah, he shows up at the end and explicitly calls himself Thanos' brother, explicitly calls himself an Eternal, therefore I guess Thanos is canonically an Eternal again. Which which fucks up the line earlier on in the movie uh-huh. when Dane, played by Kit Harrington, yes. asks them, why didn't you guys help out with Thanos? And they're mm-hmm. like, we don't get involved in non-Eternal stuff. 
Mm-hmm. But this Eternal sure got involved in some stuff. And, like, you know, some people are like, oh, it makes sense why Thanos, you know, he got disillusioned with the mission when he found out what they're doing. And, like, don't farm all the population because you're just going to lead to an Eter- a celestial eating you. And it's like, I guess. But then also there's the part where you've written yourself into a very strange corner where Thanos is dead. And you've just brought in a guy who's his brother, and I would be fascinated to see Josh Brolin and Harry Styles try to act across from each other. Um, I will do, as a final little comic corner shout-out, Kieran Gillen is currently mm. writing Eternals Run, which is genuinely really, really good. He's doing it with S.R. Ribich, who is the person who did Secret Wars with um, uh, Jonathan Hickman. Really good, really interesting modernization of the concept and doing a lot of the cool Jonathan Hickman like data pages and stuff like that and I'm really digging that and it's just basically the idea is what if the earth is dying and kind of speaks with like modern internet slang and stuff like that and (laughs) all very well and good a lot more interesting take on Eternals than this movie has which Mm. kind of is kneecapped by the fact that as we've kind of hinted at it can't be X-Men. It can't touch on any of the things that you would touch on with X-Men in terms of being vilified or anything like that. And it nope. can't do the kind of palace intrigue that the Inhumans TV series tried to do. Because there's no... Yeah, like, the Inhumans are a royal family. The X-Men are ostracised. Eternals live amongst people seamlessly and seem to have a pretty good time. And they have no hierarchy of any kind. Because <laughs> it feels like... the And I texted you this last night when you were watching the movie, and I was like, surely the logical take of this movie is... And it probably steals away from the X-Men and things like the Morlocks. Morlocks. <laughs> like, it, you kind of, if you did a Eternals versus Deviants, where the Deviants are like sentient beings, mm-hmm. and you get into like the Eternals basically committing a genocide. <laughs> a yeah, so like, the human race. I mean, look, I think this one's going to have a really fucked up structure in general. I think we should just go to Villain Watch right now, because Crow, in theory... <laughs> That's really, that's a really nice twist. Like, they're generic monsters, they've been designed to be indistinguishable from each other, so therefore they're not very compelling. And then you have Crow, who is evolving by absorbing their powers, and each time he he absorbs one, he gets a little bit more human-looking, and he learns to speak and stuff, and he's like, yeah, so we were built to be farmed and murdered by all of you. That's fucked up. I don't want a genocide, thank you. It's like, huh, what an interesting concept to not play with. <laughs> and also... I was sitting there, and kind of to go back to Comic Book Corner, so the reason Thanos is a big purple weirdo, (laughs) and his brother is just some dude, is he has in the comics what is called the Deviant Gene, which I think Skrulls have some of them, which is why they look very different, and like, anyone can have the Deviant Gene, it just makes you unusual, I suppose. Yeah, like in in the Kieran Gillen comic there is an entire city of, of Deviants living underneath the Earth, who are a little bit kind of like they want to commit murders and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but Athena in the comics at the moment is just sleeping with deviants because it's like, sometimes I want to kill them, sometimes I want to fuck them. Well, who among us? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm sitting there thinking, oh, is this their out? Are they going to say Thanos basically murdered his whole cluster, and this is the final form of a deviant? But then they like, nope, fuck it, no, he's just an eternal. Uh, screw it, and we've got deviants, and don't worry about why they look different. But yeah, ultimately, Crow is, is fucking nothing, and it's wild. Because you went and got, is it Bill Skarsgård? <laughs> yeah, Bill Skarsgård voiced him, who obviously at this point is most famous for playing Pennywise in the, yeah. in the It duology. You know, it's not like a huge name, but it's like, you know, it's someone who's good at being like creepy and, and, and stuff. And it's like, you know, you've, you've come up with a, some form of a twist. Like, you know, we don't want to be hunted to extinction. We're not the real villains. 
even though we murder a lot of people. But then it's just like, ah, whatever. What if what if Thena just killed him in a cave quietly, <laughs> really uncompellingly? Yeah, God, it's 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 so all over the place, and you know the the. It's got one of the strangest endings they've ever done. It's got one of the wildest post-credit scenes. Two of the wildest post-credit scenes. Because you had the Harry Styles nonsense. And also Patton Oswalt is here as Pip the Troll. So, you know, you're bringing in people who are explicitly tied to Infinity Stones. And there are no Infinity Stones. And then you fucking move on to, like, yeah, oh, the Black Knight is going to wield the Ebony Blade. And Blade is here, but... Covid, so Mahashala Ali can't film anything, so it's just his voice, and no one knows what the fuck is going on. And it's after like a weird. What if they were just walking in the park, and then a god appeared in the sky and took them away, and then any credits? It's like what is going on? But it's fitting because the whole movie is so messy, and how it even got made is so bizarre to me that they signed off on this movie. Ten characters. One Four more than the original Avengers movie, and obviously they've proven with each successive Avengers film that they can do more and more characters. Yeah. But none of them have had to do the job. No movie since Avengers, in fact, no movie they've ever done has had to introduce this many characters. But at least, Guardians, but at least from... with the Avengers, okay, yeah, Guardians is the first shot. But at least with the, the Avengers, most people know who the Hulk is. Most people have an idea who Captain America. You know, and by this point, they've all had solo movies. So even exactly. if you're living That's... under a rock, you've probably seen a poster with an Iron Man on it somewhere. That is the thing. The only characters who had to who had to share a movie up till that point were Black Widow and Hawkeye, and they purposely fuck Hawkeye in that first movie by <laughs> most of the runtime. Yeah. But like everyone else in that movie has had some level of introduction. I think the only character we're coming in completely fresh to is Maria Hill. Hmm. Yeah, and like you know, fair point with Guardians. Like that's an entirely new team of people who you have to get to know real quick. But Gunn has a pitch for all of them. They all have very distinct personalities. Uh, these ten do not have very distinct personalities, and shockingly, the ones that do are the ones I like the best. And but the interesting thing is, is it's very obvious that their personalities are supposed to be political points of view. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thing is, they don't really have ten. No. Which in also in turn kind of fucks them. In yeah. terms of like what they're gonna do. So who is the them, Matt? Well the them is a group of people who are not very famous and Angelina Jolie and Summer Hayek, I suppose. But even Summer Hayek is not like a put her on a poster and people will go see that movie. You, you know, you have Gemma Chan uh, who has God bless her, and she's gonna make it work in the MCU after a, you know, Wearing the blue makeup as Minerva in uh, in Captain Marvel doesn't count apparently. Richard Madden, you know, <sighs> those Game of Thrones people are not going to make it. <laughs> like, because Kit Harrington is also in this movie and is very bad in it. Kamal Nanjiani, you know, a guy that people recognise his face and and like you know he's a talented the, man. The one that everyone kind of freaked the fuck out when they saw his abs because obviously he's most famous <laughs> at this point from doing Silicon Valley where he's playing a nerdy coder and yeah. then the picture came out of what he looked like and yeah was it was another JK Simmons where it's like oh you're too buff you went too far this is weird and I'm a huge fan of the fact that he did that to play someone who shoots finger guns <laughs> not even the strong guy who gets to be Don Lee who's just like yeah I just look like this fuck you um, yeah Don Lee is here Barry Keown is here before he's cast as Joker so if you look back on it now it feels like there's a bigger name in it than there is 
Ryan Tyree Henry, you know, excellent in Atlanta. You know, always a, an actor that I think everyone has a great deal of time for, but, you know, not a name. Uh, Don Lee is here, as I said, Angelina Jolie. And then you've got lesser known people. Uh, Lauren Ridloff is a legitimately deaf actress. I have not seen her in anything else. She's from The Walking Dead, I think, is okay. kind of like her big credit before this. Gotcha, gotcha. So, shit, gotcha. Leah McHugh is Sprite. Never seen her in anything. She's, again, like a child actress who yeah. has just been in some things, but nothing kind of like is a calling card, really. Yeah, and then, yeah, Salma Hayek, Angelina Jolie, round out your ten. Kit Harrington supporting, yeah. It's, <laughs> ha- I mean, Harish Patel is, is supporting, and then, you know, you've also got Arisham. Uh, Megatron from Beast Wars himself as Arisham. Good to see him getting work 20 years later. But yeah, you know, you, you've got this su- superhero team of ten, and like, as you said, X-Men, the gimmick is, there's a fucking million of them, but it works. They're an ensemble. You've got people who are, like, the main characters who are going to do the driving of the plot forward. You have the younger people who are going to flirt with each other, and it's all very cute in the background. And you just have a collection of oddities and for background scenes and single-moment stunts and stuff like that. But what you have here is just... It just doesn't work. And you, it's my catchphrase at this point. This should have just been a television show. Mm-hmm. You, ten episodes, ten characters, one viewpoint each... Same plot you could do. You could keep every piece of footage you have here and add some more, and you just reveal it slowly through you who your do, viewpoint you characters lost. are. Yeah, you just do last. You just pick do a person like, what, to be your what flashback. What have these guys been up to since they broke up? Yeah, is, is the pitch for this essentially? Yeah. And you can do like what are their reactions? You can have people coming in early, and obviously you can probably do it with this cast as well. Angelina Jolie is the only one who's a stretch who probably. Hmm isn't really a TV person or shouldn't really be doing TV at this point. No, um, but, you and- know, with the way they film TV anyway, you know, you know, fuck it. But while none of those people are names outside of Jolie, they're all good actors, I would say, except for Kit Harrington. And <laughs> But that's fine, because he's not in the ten. And they're all interesting. And we, we, have, we have a black gay man in Marvel. <laughs> like, we have the first sex scene in Marvel. It's so erotic. Um... <laughs> We have the movie shoots outside. Like it does. This was this was shot on a real camera on a real place. And I suppose that bears mention. Uh, So Chloe Zhao is your director, uh, Oscar winner for Nomadland. Had not filmed Nomadland. (laughs) Nomadland was filmed after this movie, making this decision even stranger. Ten people, none of one of them famous, unproven director in its like two and a half hours long. And then the screenwriters are all like one of them has. Yeah. A Wikipedia page, and it's like for a documentary. Yep. Um, yeah. So, co-written by Joe Patrick Burley, who wrote Peter Rabbit two. Okay. And is going to be involved in the Power Rangers reboot universe. Okay. And is allegedly writing Black Knight, which will presumably star Kit Harrington, but lol, no, it won't. <laughs> and then you have Ryan and Kaz Furpo, who do short films and documentaries, and get the solo story credits here over Zhao and Burley, and it's like, what's going on? But also gets both a solo credit as Mm -hmm. a screenwriter, and then a co-writing credit. So she has two credits on this movie. What's going on? This movie feels like, I, I do not understand how it got through the pitch process. I can understand why you'd be excited about The Eternals, but this feels like a movie where they didn't have a take going in. Yeah, and like you know, they've had success with an unknown property. Like Guardians is the, is the blueprint for. Like, but the thing is, Gun has a take. Well, yeah, exactly. Like a blank slate can be amazing. Like he got more liberty there 
than he would have if he was playing with a known entity. And they had the same deal, but they have nothing to say. But I also feel that, I mean, obviously Gunn kind of comes in and kind of like doesn't really do much with, with what is established in the comics, but he is coming off of the Annihilation run is less than six years old. Yeah. at that point from the comic books. There is something that fans are clamouring for. Yeah. The Eternals, on the other hand, there's... There hadn't been a book in a very There hadn't been time. a book, yeah. that, and nothing that people were clamouring for. Yeah. And, and Neil, Neil Gaiman like, makes Sprite different. Ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah, like, Sprite is the villain, I think, of his run. And, yeah, and, and I think like, that's where you get this sort of, like, she is resentful of Cersei and is in love with Icarus and, like, you know, is goes bad, quote unquote. Um, I suppose is vaguely pulling from there, but yeah, it's a, and, it's such and a yet, weird one. <laughs> and yet, even though this movie's a mess, and I don't understand why they made it, mm-hmm. and none of the cast really stick out. No, if anyone went in on it, I'd defend it. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, would, I would defend it to, for being its weird self. And like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run you through now. The, the Rotten Tomato scores for every single MCU project okay. in 2021. In 2021. Okay. WandaVision, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Sure, sure. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, 86% on Rotten Bullshit. Tomatoes. Loki, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. What was WandaVision again? 91. Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> Black Widow, 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Probably better than Falcon and Winter Soldier, but still a deserved score. <laughs> Shang-Chi, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. A little bit high. Spider-Man No Way Home, 93% on Tomatoes. No comment for two weeks. <laughs> Hawkeye, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. No comment for a week. And and What If, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Swap those digits around and then take a few off. <laughs> uh, and then finally, Eternals, 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. Fuck Tomato. off. <laughs> Fuck right off. It's it's aggressively fine. Like there is There are so many little things that are quite interesting. It just it just can't bring them together in a quite no, satisfying way. But it's it's pretty, it well prettier than <laughs> most Marvel. The you know there are so many things where I'm like, huh, that's that's a good way to go kind of thing. And like, I, show me more of this. And there's stuff going on. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a gentleman six at best, <laughs> like at best on a good yeah. day. But the thing is, like, I just appreciate. All mm. of the little weird idiosyncrasies of it, and yeah. like those scores that I just listed off show very much two things. Mm-hmm. One is Rotten Tomatoes is shit for television shows. Yes, <laughs> like it should not be used as a metric for grading television shows. Eighty-six no. percent for Falcon and Winter Soldier can fuck right off. Yes, that is baffling. Go to hell. What if? What if you shut the fuck up? <laughs> the project that Marvel did on Rotten Tomatoes last year was what if? Apparently, I, I. I... No one ever writes into us anyway, but if you really liked What If, please write in. I'd like to destroy you on air. Thank you. Um. <laughs> but yeah, The Eternals having the first rotten score for any Marvel project. <sighs> it is the worst reviewed product that they have done. It is reviewed worse than Iron Man 2, than Thor The Dark World, mm-hmm. than The Incredible Hulk. The Ant-Man's, Doctor the Strange, Ant-Man. Captain Marvel. Yeah, I think the... I'd rather watch it than all of those. Yeah, and the thing is, I think I know why. I can understand it on a level of this movie is coming out at a point where quote-unquote legitimate critics have their knives out for Marvel. Like, if you gave every single Marvel movie a bad review, you're not going to give this one a good one. Yeah. Like, if, if you gave Far From Home a bad review and Captain Marvel and Black Widow and Shang-Chi bad reviews, this movie isn't going to turn your mind, essentially. Yeah. The flip side is, I think this movie lost a lot of, like, the casual I-only-watch-Marvel-movies people 
like the ones who like they see seven movies in a year and six of them are superhero movies and the last one is from the director of a superhero movie in the last couple of years or whatever mm-hmm. and i think they lost those people when mm-hmm. it comes to that score because that's the only thing i can think of and, in terms of it. and and i understand people are going like it's boring nothing much happens blah 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 blah. but like in terms it is less in it is chloe Zhao's worst movie <laughs> by quite a long distance. Sure, I mean, she's made four and two of them are like really, really, really good. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I can also see this being like critics coming in going, we gave you Oscar, the Oscar for best director, like like six months ago. We do not want this to be your career. Like, we are going to stop this now. (laughs) Snip this in the blood, you're not getting a sequel. You'll get the sequel, yeah. we're not going to do that. And it's just, I think it's just that thing where it comes at the wrong point, where Marvel are a little bit weaker, yeah. and it's the combination of they've tried something different, but the thing they've tried to do differently is they've tried to make a prestige movie with an Oscar-winning director. Mm. I think you also can't ignore that, you know, we're now even further removed from Endgame. You know, we've we've had a series of projects with side characters, people that are, like, dead so you know it's a prequel um, or, or a weird side thing. And, like, you know, we're getting towards the end of the year of them coming back and it's like, what is this? Like, you know, who are these people? Where are my, where are my famous boys? Um, and, yeah, it's, it's so strange. It's just so strange. And it's another one where I was, like, I felt compelled to go and see it because I, I could see... The narrative in my head that in 2021, Marvel came out with a movie led by a woman. They came out with a movie led by an Asian American. And they came out with this, like, diverse cast that lacks super famous people and... Where um, their Superman is the villain. (laughs) My single favourite thing I heard from Chloe Zhao is she based Icarus on Snyder's Superman. And it's like... (laughs) I don't know if she meant that as a dig, but in my head she did, and I love her for it. (laughs) Because, yeah, like, and we both had this exact same comment. So you've got ten people, they almost have different powers, they're all very cool and creative and different, and, and, you know, each one by themselves probably couldn't do too much against, like, a big heavy hitter, but in concert with each other, they're all excellent. And then Icarus is fucking Superman. (laughs) And he has, like, three separate powers that individually would let him kick the rest of their asses. And they're like, nah, fuck it, he just has them all. Like, his eye lasers seem to be stronger, they are definitely quicker, they have more range than Kingo's, like, finger bullets that he has to charge. Uh, He seems to be, like, as strong as Gilgamesh. Like, they're all, like, super durable, but they sort of give off this vibe that he's super strong, he's super fast. He's not as fast as Makari, but he can catch her. And then he can fucking fly. <laughs> and real fast, too. So, yeah, he's just insane. And, you know, you open with that scene that, like, some of the footage from that went viral. A particular cut where Thena stabs at a deviant and then does a little spin. And it's clear there's a camera cut and, like, we're looking at completely different shots. And the two were never anywhere near each other. And there's all these accusations that, like, you got Chloe Zhao in. And you're talking about how beautiful the film is and, like, all these outside shots. And then you're showing us this, like, people love to hyperbolize about this PS2 cutscene or whatever. And that one half second, yeah, it looks kind of rough. But that opening scene, I think, is actually really nice looking. No, yeah, again, because it's, like, again, most of it is shot in, like, natural locations. Yeah. And the, the monsters look good. It's probably yeah, it's, like, the... good daytime CGI, which we never get. 
<laughs> and probably because it's had time to render, which was obviously mm. the issue with like Black Panther is they changed the costume at the last minute, so the rendering yeah. had to be like half done when they did it. But like because this movie sat on a shelf for eighteen months or whatever, <laughs> like it got to render properly and they got to do the special effects in, in natural light. And Chloe Zhao's like normal cinematographer is like yeah. credited as a like consultant on this movie, although he obviously doesn't get to be the main <laughs> cinematographer because yeah. it's got to be a Marvel guy who knows how to shoot the action scenes yeah. and stuff like that, but like this movie looks noticeably worse when Thena goes into her cave to fight <laughs> to fight Crow. Yeah, but that opening scene I think is is it's it's a pretty one. Like they do a good job of, you know, we've talked we've criticised Moon Knight a lot, <laughs> and you can hear it even more next year. But like for them to be so far into it, it'll be over by the time you all hear this. But like to be four episodes in and there's not this like big signature fight scene to hang the hat on something that even bad superhero movies get right is you have to ideally quickly but you at least have to do it you have to do a big like this is their deal kind of scene and they open with here's all 10 of them they're all gonna do something you get all of their powers they seem very powerful good job and and you know it goes all over the place from there but um you know, there's always interesting pockets and there's interesting character dynamics between them at times. Yeah, I th- I mean, I do actually really like the whole vibe of, like, Sprite being in love with Icarus, will follow mm-hmm. him anywhere, and also being resentful of being a child. Yes. Like, Super fucked it, up that it, she it, is yes. the only one that is a child. <laughs> and, like, obviously, they have to make it human by the end, because... Yeah, that's some fucking gonna, bullshit. Is I, gonna age. I have enough power left to... No, what, what, what does that mean? <laughs> it's the ultimate lost problem yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like we shoot this over nine months mm-hmm. but the show is set over like six days uh-huh. so we have to like no make sure we have a reason why you look notably older when we come and do a sequel if we ever get a sequel to this movie yeah. which she got walted yeah, who <laughs> fucking knows but like it's a really interesting character dynamic mm-hmm. but the thing is there isn't enough of them and like there's little pairings like i really like gilgamesh and uh-huh. and thena and then, that's like, so that's so nice like you know that so to me, I think my my favourite is Druig, I think. But Thena would be a second for me. And I think the whole Mad Weary thing is really well done. And she plays it so well. And I think she has two modes. And it's like, please, I'm very mentally ill, but please don't make me have a brain wipe. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a little bit crazy in a fun way. <laughs> and I think, you know, Gilgamesh just being like, I will protect her forever and risk getting murdered by her. I'm fine with that. And she's just so thankful to him. And then, like, you know, you see their life... You know, you, you don't really see much of their life together, but it's it's just nice, you know? And, like, you can read a romance onto it. You can just read, he's just a real solid dude onto it. it it's it's whatever you want it to be. He cooks. He, he makes does. some beer. With, <laughs> he chews every kernel of corn with his... But, like, could you imagine the, like, episode of the two of them, mm-hmm. like, living across history and, like, she goes she goes mad weary every, like, five yeah. years or so. And you, you, do, you do the leftovers style, like, the same day. You know, he makes her the meal every day and then one day she behaves... You know, there are good days and bad days. And, yeah. Oh. What it could have like, been. That's the thing. It, it's such an interesting <laughs> dynamic between them, and like obviously one of them has to die, and so they make it Don Lee, and then it feels like the movie doesn't doesn't do anything. Yeah, she's just fine. That point. It, like you would think, the shorthand would be he is her protector. She will always be okay. You know, like the Black Widow can calm the Hulk thing, or whatever you want it to be. Like he can keep them all safe from her and and bring her back and ground her. It's like Serenity. The end of Serenity, when, when um, River's brother 
gets shot and she just goes fucking insane <laughs> it's mm. like that like and there's nothing there's no consequence if anything she like, seems sure. better you make the final fight more interesting if you have it be they're teaming up to take down icarus uh-huh. and then Thena goes mad weary and then crow shows up and all of a sudden they're fighting like three individual battles yeah and like again, like it, it feels like such missed opportunities where you're setting up all these really interesting dynamics, mm. and you kind of lose. You just turn it into she wanders into a cave, and it, it's like it's me, Gilgamesh. It's like no, it's not. She's not that insane. <laughs> um, but you know, I like things like her doing a little smirk and wanting to fight Icarus and 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 stuff like that, and like you know, not knowing how to interact with um, Fastus's child. So, so <laughs> yeah. So the other thing. So obviously, yeah. the Eternals are famous for being eternal. They're immortal. <laughs> they can always come back. Yeah. Do you think that they didn't move to like just have Gilgamesh come back and show like how meaningless death is to these guys because it's the current plot point of the X Men? <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of sucks that you know, yeah, they're immortal essentially, and then two of them die, and like the third one gets made human, and they they pass it down to six by the end of it essentially. Yeah, I guess three of them die. One, yeah, he flies into the sun. He does fly into the sun. He does do that. And, you know, you talk about, like, so they they get a lot of mileage out of, oh, they're real old, you know. Athena is the basis for Athena, and King Arthur was in love with her, but that all becomes problematic because Zeus is in love and thunder, so is there an Athena or not? And, you know, all these little things, it gets real bad, i.e. Fastos sitting there in the middle of Hiroshima. (laughs) And some of it's quite cute, like you know, being the basis for Gilgamesh, you know, the myth, and and, and... yeah, yeah, they're doing, they're in Babylon, and they're kind of yeah. like they've built the the Hanging Gardens of Babylon and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's and like, like the end credits, you kind of they're kind of likening each of the Eternals to some sort of either real, you know, mythical figure, or they're sort of like you know, they're making like an Aztec statue look a bit like Druig, who who has her like little cult in South America. I think is quite fun. Yeah, he, he's my favourite, personally. Because, yeah, like... again, he's got a point of view where it's like, yeah. I hate that we can't get involved with humans, Yeah. so I'm going to do my best to teach these humans to be good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> is, like, is a take on a character. And I think, again, and again, I mentioned it up at the top, where I think that is the weakness of this movie, mm-hmm. is that there's not enough... You don't have ten of... dissenting opinions, you kind of have three. <laughs> yeah, like, like, and so I think now's a good time to get into Kingo, who... <laughs> is probably the most fascinating failure of this movie. And he brings most of the mistimed humour to this movie uh-huh. with with the vampire Karun. stuff. And, and, yeah. Yeah. and I understand you've hired Kumail Nanjiani and it's probably one of those things where it's like, this script is probably a little bleak and so you need to inject some humour into it. <laughs> yeah. And he first appears in the modern timeline as a Bollywood star doing a Bollywood dance. Uh-huh. Which, I mean, I think I previously mentioned if this was something like Legion, uh-huh. It would be out of context, and it would just be happening, and no one would comment on it. But this movie is having so little fun that it has to be a reason that he's an actor, and so we're doing a big Bollywood dance. There has to be like real world reasons why this has to happen, which yeah. immediately is kind of like less interesting. Yeah. And then I understand why they want a human with them, mm-hmm. but it's just it feels like a lot of the time where he's having this humor could be coming into him being kind of like he is just kind of like blindly following leadership. 
Yeah. And I think that that is what his point of view is, is that like I don't want to get involved in conflict between the other Eternals. So mm-hmm. when we get to a fight where Icarus reveals himself to be a villain, he's like, I'm out. Like, I did, That's fight. my favourite part of his character, is that he sides with Icarus, but he doesn't want to fight them, so he just pieces out. And I know that that, like... It sucks that he just isn't part of the final fight. But, like, you know, if he had had more to do and it was more satisfying, or maybe he he wanted to bow out and then he comes back and he does participate or something like that. But, you know, just the idea that they're not all like, oh, Icarus is is an evil psychopath. And, you know, there is... There are are sort of subgroups of some of them are better friends than others and some of them may be romantically interested in each other and stuff like that, but... I do think it's it's nice to have someone who's like, oh, I, I, I agree with him, but that doesn't mean I'm just going to turn evil and fight you. So, like, I'm just going to just go sit yeah, this one and, out. Yeah, and the thing is, it's, it's such an interesting idea for him not to come back, is I mm. have to understand, they probably had a version of this scene where Kingo shows up at the end and... He like, fights snipes him. him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. he makes the kill shot or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and that has to exist. And I have to applaud them for going, like, what if he doesn't? What if yeah. we take the risk to have it be something so narratively unsatisfying to just have a character fuck off in the start of Act 3. Yeah. I mean... I think think that's that's why I kind of appreciate this movie, is even when the creative decisions don't land, they have gone for a reach. They have done something that you're like, I I just have to stand up and applaud Mm. the balls of making that narrative decision in a movie that costs this amount of money and is being billed as like the future of like a significant part of the Marvel yeah, universe. yeah. Like, like they're rebuilding cosmic like the Guardians have got one last one in them you know Captain Marvel has just just started um, and we'll get more characters to go with her Thanos is gone so you're going to need new space villains you know they explicitly are like the Eternals will return but <laughs> I don't know if they will I think some of them will come back I don't think there will be an Eternals too. Um, because you know you just mentioned the the budget of this movie you know 200 million dollars makes 402 again covid exists but it, it came out in sort of like late october early november 2021 it's, it's the lowest grossing marvel movie of the year it's yeah. the last movie before spider-man which is obviously the highest grossing movie of the year yeah. it's still in the top 10 worldwide films yeah i mean you oh. know everything's slanted because of covid but i would imagine even without this this probably wouldn't have done that well commercially because you don't have stars, you don't have known characters. It is a little bit droll and like they you know, they're trying to build something yeah, like you said, like what if prestige but also weird yellow lasers and stuff. <laughs> um and I do I appreciate that part, by the way. Like the the visual consistency of the um the powers between them all. Like mm. it's it's a similar effect on all of them and, and all of their tech. But yeah, like it, it you just can't get around the fact it's really long, it's kinda droll. People aren't famous enough, so on and so forth. Like maybe this is them testing the the idea that Marvel is the brand and, and Marvel is the star, and the the stars are not the stars. Yeah, I have to assume you saw that awful TikTok that's going around at the moment, which is the person pitching, "What if we just made prestige movies, but in the Marvel Cinematic Universe?" Oh yeah, where he, was, I feel he's sort of stealing a point I made where years ago I was like, "What if they just made like a relationship drama between Peter Parker and Mary Jane? Just spice it up, make something a bit different." I understand that, like, what this person is saying will literally kill the film industry. <laughs> thing is, I'm not saying that your idea is a bad one, because that's using the characters that people like. His pitch is like, what if we did The Rider? 
Oh yeah, yeah, no. Like, I, what if we did yeah. this this like intimate family drama about a guy who got kicked in the head by a horse, mm. but instead of it taking place in the real world, it took place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and there were conversations about like whether or not a new Thanos was going to come, and it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and like you know, just make a random film about a scientist in Wakanda, and like, yeah, it's like, I mean, sure. <laughs> I'm asking, use the main property, but like. Do a different genre, please. And this person is saying, what if every movie in existence had a tangential relation to Marvel? <laughs> like, like you didn't know it was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then you're at a coffee shop, and someone <laughs> said, like, man, that Thor's really hot, isn't he? And... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, but again, like, I, I kind of like it. I will say the first time I watched it, I didn't feel the length that much. I've somehow seen this three times now. And it's when you get to the point of, like, there is an hour left and Fastos isn't with them, so I know there's a lot more to do, you know? <laughs> like, I, I I enjoy most of the first hour. I think Kit Harrington destroys everything. Like, you know, like, he's so bad, man. Like and I did like that they shot in London. I'm sure you did, because like, they I, shot I know, I know, where you used is, to live. <laughs> but the thing is, I do also know that the... It, I think most of that reaction was coming off of the fact that Moon Knight was not shot in London. And I was, like, texting you going, like, Cersei and, and Stephen from Moon Knight work at different museums, but one museum is the actual museum that mm-hmm. they're supposed to work at, and the other one is the the National Portrait Gallery. Yeah, yeah. And I like that Cersei calls um, Charles Darwin Charlie, and, like, you know, you can read into that, you know, she knew it is him. Weird. It is weird that she's teaching like a full one class in yeah. a museum. Though. I don't know what happens out. I know there are many rooms in the Natural History Museum that like are off limits to to you and me. I don't know if there is a secret classroom back there, and some London schools get taught history or whatever at the Natural History Museum. I doubt it. I mean, having done school trips to museums, yeah, you yeah. just kind of like get led around a museum and yeah. like given maybe like a worksheet and gone like. Here's 15 interesting things in this room. Can you find them all? <laughs> like, is kind yeah. of the level you get on a school I mean, trip when I was on a school trip to the Natural History Museum, a friend and I, like, got into a lift, and, and we were told not to go in the lift, and we pressed a button down to one of the basements, and it opened, and there were some very fancy-looking people in suits at some sort of event, and we were like, bye, and just were <laughs> pressing the button and went you again. Actually, you found the Hawkeye weapon deal. Yeah, or, or maybe I was going to stumble into Cersei's class, but, like, I, you know, I find every bit of, of Dane just so cringe. Like, you know, him asking if they want to get pizza. And I'm like, I don't believe you. I don't believe you want to get pizza, kid. This is how bad you are. You're so good as Jon Snow and nothing else. <laughs> I don't buy their relationship. I, You know, you were saying, you know, that the... I mean, we agree, basically. <laughs> Gemma Chan and Richard Madden aren't as good as they need to be for this movie. They would be perfectly fine if they were, like, fifth or sixth down the call sheet. But they're not. And this film would be so much more interesting if we were like, oh no, but you two are so in love, don't fight. But I'm like, he's a dick, clearly. <laughs> and yeah, there, like... is no question, there is no question from the moment he turns evil that she's going to do what she needs to do yeah. to like to save the day. And you, I think... Yeah, well, you plant the seed early, she can't affect like living things. It's like, I bet she's going to affect a living thing by the end of this movie. <laughs> um, so, and, right, yeah. so I'm going to pose you a question. Mm. There are ten people in this movie. Obviously, some Hayek, Ajax dies very early on. Yeah. Like, functionally not really a part of this movie, has kind of, like, is in all the flashback scenes and then has, like, her big death moment. Yeah, well. like, if this wasn't a non-linear movie, <laughs> she dies very quickly. But, like, if you had to cut any characters from this movie, who would you cut? 
like to bring it down to kind of like a reasonable level. <sighs> I mean, like let's let's say take it down to like the six or seven that we would need to be for like a Guardians or for a, for an Avengers movie or the first one. All right, I might do this in reverse order. So the people you absolutely have to have are Cersei, Icarus, Druig, probably Sprite. Did I say Makari? I don't know if I did. Say Makari. Makari. So that's five. Thena has like the most interesting bit to me, and yet she feels like she's on the fringe of maybe. It's like, eh, she just makes weapons. But yeah, I guess Thena. Um... Thing is, I I probably cut Cersei. Okay. I cut Cersei. <laughs> she's the most you name roll... brand one of them, though. I I I, I think it's it, it's hard. Because she was understand... on the Avengers, man. She was on the Avengers. But the thing is, I think she needs to have, like, another piece to her character. And I think, yeah. again, like, Thena's the most interesting part. And, mm. like, King Ove seems like the easiest cut of all of them. Yeah, King, because... yeah. Like, Fastos, I don't know. I think he's doing a lot with it, but it's not a brilliant character. Makari also feels like an easy cut because she, again, is another one who fucks off until the very end. Like, they don't even... Yeah, but the Flash is cool and this one doesn't assault people in Hawaii. So... No, 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 no. But Matt, I, I watch the Oscars. And if you don't remember, but the ultimate fan moment was the Flash entering. <laughs> the most popular thing to watch. Can we be real? Right. You know, I, I there was a podcast with me reviewing the Snyder Cut with Mike Thomas. I think, you, you know, we've talked about the Snyder Cut. We don't completely hate it. That is not even close to the best moment in that movie. <laughs> like, if I was making a list of cool moments in that movie, I don't think it would make my 10. But yeah. anyway, weird that that happened. But anyway, I'm, I think Makari's cool. Kind of weird that they don't even try to find her. Like, <laughs> yeah. do they know she's in the ship? They don't seem Cause it, to. Because like... like, they go, they know where Fastos is, they go to visit him in his house, they go to Druigs and Catman in the Amazon, they find Gilgamesh and Thena living out in, yeah. in the desert, they yeah. go to, obviously Kingo is the most high profile, and then they kind of like go like, cool, the gang's all back together, let's all go to the ship. Oh look, Makari's here! <laughs> I mean, maybe they knew, and that's why they were going to her last, because she's in the so. same place. Although maybe she could have made finding them all much faster. <laughs> I mean, look, it's really cool when she runs all across the world. Um, I think, you know, we've seen a lot of superhuman speed done in a lot of ways in a lot of movies and TV shows. I'm not saying it's the best one ever. I actually think it's quite cool. And I think it's probably better than what DC have done with Flash, personally. And she's charming. And I like her vibe with Druid. <laughs> and I think they're just very cute together. And it's like, yeah, no, I'm, are they actually, like... Is it just a constant flirtation, or are they actually together, or what? Is he just very Irish? <laughs> I think it is just a constant flirtation, and they're not actually together. Yeah, but, yeah. like, again, they're the ones that I buy the chemistry between. Mm -hmm. because... Which kind of sucks when you've got, like... And, and I know... I'm not saying that, that Barry is, like, the most attractive person in the world, but, like, it is funny that it, like after this movie came out, all of the fan cams and all of the thirsting was over him. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I like, mean, he wears a leather jacket at one point, and that's pretty cool. But, like, yeah, he's not... He's got quite a face, hasn't he? Again, I, I really like him. I like that he stands up to a Jack and Icarus in, in Babylon. And I was going to say Babylonia? It's Babylon. Um, in Babylon. Um, you know, has that nice yell moment. I like when actors yell in a good way. And then he just disobeys them. He's like, no, fuck it, I'm I'm out. And he just challenges Icarus to kill him. And like from then onward, like they have such tension between them. <laughs> and yeah, I, I he's he's his own person. And like you said, he has his own viewpoint and the rest of them are just kinda like the gang for the as most I, part. Yeah, I think it's I don't I it we I think we like this is the one that we've been waiting for in terms of all Marvel, isn't it? <laughs> like we've been beating around the bush for a while that we knew there was another movie coming up where we weren't going to give out 
yeah. and all Marvel. And I was going to jokingly come into this and go like, well, Matt, I think Harry Styles should get the all Marvel. Uh-huh. This movie. Yeah. I can't do it. No, you can't do it. You're right to not do it. I mean, I do genuinely think that Harry Styles... <laughs> it's a cool casting. Like, I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, like, if they announced Eternals 2 and Harry Styles was the lead, I think that movie might make a billion dollars. <laughs> Absolutely. Didn't like, it actually... Because it leaked, like, really early. And then, like, one of their reports... It premiere, like, a week early. And I okay. think there were so many One Direction stands who like fully were just going to see Harry Styles and were like buying tickets to go see the post credit scene with him in. Imagine like, if half of the box office was because of that and it actually was on track to like be exactly on budget. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I think you can't call it Eternals. Or maybe you can, but like I think you've got to dramatically reshape it and I think you've basically got to hodgepodge together a team of cosmic heroes yeah, and include end of them. This- the end of this movie feels like they're setting up an Avengers thing. Like, yeah. a fucking Celestial appears out of nowhere and kidnaps half the team, and then Star Fox shows up. Star Fox, who is most well-known for battling his brother and being mm. involved in the Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War and all the rest of that stuff. Yep. Like, most famous for that. It feels like they're building up to... <laughs> Second a- most famous for that. Though. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're building up to massive fucking event. Yep. That they're going to have to go rescue... <laughs> Like the the Eternals who were left behind on Earth. It's also incredibly strange to me they use this to backdoor. Like, like why is the Black Knight in this movie? Like a big. Sp- I understand they've been on Earth for a very long time. They have all this stuff with history. They even talk about, oh, is that the Ebony Blade? No, it's Excalibur. And it's like I'm sure they will reveal one of them actually met his great 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 whatever uncle, grandfather whatever. But very strange that he's even in this movie. It, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, we're now reaching a point where, like, I will defend this movie. Uh-huh. I don't think anyone stands out. No. It's setting up the... 15 different things, mm-hmm. all of which are confusing. They're just spread too thin. Like, yeah. almost all of them have a moment where I'm like, okay, you've got something here. Go further. But there's, there's 10 of them. <laughs> and they're supporting characters and villains and stuff. There's just simply not time for anyone to stand out. and No. And and you sit there and go like, okay, we're now setting up Midnight Suns for some reason, and we're now setting That's... up Eternals 2, but this feels like we're going too big, and it should be Avengers 6. Uh-huh. Or They're Avengers very interesting that the Midnight Suns we have confirmed. <laughs> Blade has not made a physical appearance. Blade has not started filming, I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's filming very soon, over the okay. summer, I believe. But it's taken a... You know, they came out like, yeah, Mahashala Ali is going to be Blade. Cool. Amazing. Takes a very long time to attach a director. Takes a very... You know, they haven't committed to when it's coming out, anything like that. Haven't committed to what? Like, is it going to be an R-rated movie? Is yeah. it going to be like, full of blood and guts? Or is it going to be a PG-13 mm-hmm. kind of vampire movie? Yeah, so you got, you got him. You know, he's a name, but he's not made a physical appearance and he doesn't hear... You have the Black Knight, who is in Eternals, which does not do well. You ostensibly are going to have Moon Knight, which is not a good television show. does seem to be somewhat popular, I guess, because Oscar Isaac's hot, I guess. And some people are just like, oh, look, Oscar mental Isaac issues, is, I love Oscar it. Oscar Isaac is objectively good casting for that character. Yeah. The execution of the show has been woeful. Yes, yes. So, like, you know, we're batting zero for three here, kind of, in, in terms of the membership. We have... We might have Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night is cast. Yeah. It's filming soon. Uh-huh. I've heard rumblings that Ghost Rider is yeah. coming. Ghost Rider would be a logical... If we're just talking complete nonsense to you right now, Midnight Suns, they, they like hunt monsters. They're all spooky people. It's all monsters and the supernatural. And yeah, and there's no women there. 
<laughs> but Elsa Bloodstone would be a good one. Elsa um, Bloodstone would be great. Don't know who you cast for that role. Nope. <laughs> Quite a difficult one. You need to be a charisma machine. Maybe what's her face from Sex Education could be fun if you're going for like, a Brit. I guess. Yeah, Emma, yeah. Emma, uh, Emma yeah. Mackie could be a fun... Yeah. The Margot Robbie lookalike sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. We're now like three movies deep and yeah. all of them are setting up some nebulous concept coming up in the future mm-hmm. like and obviously the black widow one has paid off already we've had hawkeye and hawkeye has happened and it seemed to then turn into the hawkeye and black widow like new pairing that everyone's now really really excited for yeah you have shang chi setting up cosmic question mark mm-hmm. and you know maybe it's all going to be tied in and like the eternals are going to know what these weapons or things are who knows? It's... What do they title Avengers 5 based off of the Celestials coming, kidnapping people at the end of this movie, to tie us into Shang-Chi and this, and the Skrulls, and what's going on with Guardians, and what's going on with Captain Marvel? Like, how, what do you title that? Annihilation, movie? I don't know. If they call it Annihilation, fair enough, but then there's an entire <laughs> other fucking villain that they have to introduce to set up Annihilation. He's a robot bug man. He's great. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm I mean, the point you were making is nobody here is making it on all Marvel. Several of them have strong moments. None of them have a complete one-hour performance in them. Are any of them on screen for more than an hour? Probably. But, like... <laughs> on screen? Almost definitely not. Yeah. Cersei would have to be the closest. But, like, yeah. We have a spare. If we pick nobody from this... We have our two, you know, we have Elizabeth Olsen, we have Sophia DiMartino waiting in the wings. Do we just commit right now yeah, right to both now. of them? Like, it's right. Fair enough. Those two it is. They make all Marvel. Uh, we covered the... I mean, if you want to look at the villain as Icarus, <laughs> still not great. Probably better than Crow. Um, if you want to look at the villain as Arashem, is he a villain? <laughs> uh, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Cool design, but that's Kirby. The Celestials have always looked really dope yeah, whenever really, they showed really up. Cool. Just big space giants, like they're really cool. That's, um, like it, it's so tough because like I really fucking dig like the visual design of this movie in certain points, mm-hmm. and like I I will fight anyone that is like this is the worst movie. Yeah, and it's clearly yet, not. It's it's very it's very in the middle. And yet we're now coming coming off. It's like it it is just a shrug of a movie uh-huh. that like because it's so weird and because. It's got ideas that are percolating away. I will defend it. But like you, we're coming now to like talk about the characters. I'm like, yeah, none of them pop. None of the characters no. pop. I don't care if I never I mean, see I, 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 I have my faves. You know, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Drug, it's Thena, it's, it's Makari. Everyone else can kind of, I could take or leave for the most part. But like, we're not going to, like, you're not going to be sad if you no. never see them again. Oh, no, no. And I think that the biggest thing is it's just impossible to feel something strongly about it. And that's probably the most damning thing you can say is, you know, I look at yeah. I look at Thor The Dark World and I can latch on incredibly strongly to Hiddleston's work there, you know, in the jail cell, all of that stuff. It doesn't matter how bad Malekith and almost all of the rest is. It's hard to, like, feel something really strongly about this. I feel kind of similar about Doctor Strange, personally. Mm. I get people are really into Benedict, and I think that helps. And people want to like magic, but just, it's so bland. And I'm really hoping that's not true of the second one, which, again, should be out by the time you hear this. Maybe we're right. Maybe we're wrong. But Eternals, it's just nothing to, like, really, you know, other than almost in, a, in an academic study sort of way, I can point to a half dozen scenes and go, yeah, that was interesting. 
there was nothing here. I'm like, oh god, that scene in Eternals or that aspect, that plot, that subplot in Eternals. The closest thing would be Mad Weary and revealing that they're all brain wiped and they're actually all millions and millions of years old and Thena isn't hallucinating she's just starting to remember because she's been reset too many times and some of the old memories are bleeding in and they're basically saying she's insane which I mean she kind of is but <laughs> um, that's the only thing in the movie that to me is something you could vaguely sink your teeth into and even that isn't the most compelling thing in the world and I'm not saying it's boring I don't think it's boring it's no, slow it is, it, it is too long like mm-hmm. you probably could make this closer to two hours mm-hmm. but like then I don't know Like the stuff you cut is the stuff that we kind of like no is but you just make it a TV show and you further develop the things we like and then yeah, you've and solved then, this the best thing is but then you it doesn't look as good and you don't probably don't get Zhao or like I, it, I bet she could make this look good enough oh um, I, I, I think Zhao could shoot the shit out of the conversations like, I think the writer is is one of the best looking movies of the 2010s like it is like she knows what she's doing she uses natural light so well I obviously there was the quote that went around from Feige when this movie was like in, in, uh, in can you believe states. this is a real location just <laughs> Deeply, deeply funny. That yeah. like he's like, wow, we shot outside. Yeah, and he was how like, weird is that? I mean, we've all sort of put our own inflection into how he said it. I'm sure it's just a dramatic misquote or something. But yeah, very funny that he's like, whoa, did you know we could shoot outside? Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, she could do a good job of this being like an intimate character drama. But you lose some of the epicness of like visiting different points in history and stuff like that but as as you say like i'd be really excited to see like a 40 minute episode of <laughs> thena and gilgamesh living together or yep. even watching fastos like obviously like his breaking point is is mm. after after hiroshima and dropping of the atom bombs but watching him slowly come to love humans again mm-hmm. and like maybe he spends a lot of time in fucking san francisco and there's like there at pride and like mm-hmm. stonewall and stuff like that and you have like yeah that kind of i don't um, speaking of which, interesting to note, this is, as far as I know, the only time it's ever happened. They make two references to DC superheroes. Um, they invoke both Batman and Superman, which, I don't know, kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> Always. Okay, I have got up mm-hmm. the, the on-screen time for the Ten Eternals. Oh, okay. Can you, in order, say from top to bottom, who has the most to least most screen time? Probably not, but I'll give it a go. Okay, let's give it a go. Cersei. Is number one. 47 minutes, 39 seconds. <sighs> Part of me wants to say Sprite as second, but is it Kingo? No. Oh, because he's not in the whole end, is he? Fuck. Is it Sprite? No, it's not. Is Sprite it Icarus? Is third. Sprite is third, 23 minutes and 51 seconds. Icarus is second, 35 right. minutes, 41 seconds. Kingo is fifth, 17 right. minutes. Druig? 55 seconds. Druig's gotta be sick. Seventh, oh. 13 minutes and 22 seconds. Okay. So you haven't got fourth and you haven't got sixth. Right, um, Makari's gotta be pretty low. Oh, Thena's gotta be, um, Thena is fourth. Fourth, yeah. 20 minutes, 53 seconds. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I've got left Ajak, Makari, Gilgamesh. And Thastos. And Thastos. Thastos has gotta be the highest of those. Thastos is the highest, sixth place. Yeah. 16 minutes, exactly. Which obviously is a surprise because he's so late into the fucking movie, yep. but then he kind of is he's, he's the driving force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to guess Gilgamesh is ninth, Makari is tenth. And... Makari, Makari is not tenth. Makari is, in actual fact, eighth. 
Interesting. 10 minutes 13 seconds. Gilgamesh is 10th. Yeah. 9 minutes 18 seconds. And Ajax is 9th. Ajax is 9. 9 minutes 50 seconds. Interesting. I mean, obviously, this is one of the things where, like, Gilgamesh being the lowest is kind of wild, considering he is, like, front and centre for so many of those fight scenes. And, like, nah, but he's, like... he's first to die. He's first they to don't die. give you a... F- like, they give you the tiniest cutaway to, like, his life with Vina. He he isn't a huge participant in group conversations. It's kind of fucked up he dies first, in my opinion. <laughs> well, that any of them die, to be honest. Yeah, okay. I knew he and, and Makari had to be low. Cersei is obviously number one. It's actually kind of surprising Icarus is second, and that's kind of bleak, because, like, a huge part of his role is he has to stay in the dark a little bit, because he's secretly the villain, but then he has the entire final fight, he is the reveal with Ajax. He comes to save them in, in London. You have to have the flashback to their wedding and their sex scene and stuff. Yeah, okay, I see it, I see it. Does he, is he dead dead, though? Obviously he flies into the sun. That seems fairly, like, <laughs> final. Yeah, anyone is not dead dead if they so choose. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think so. I don't think he did anything to move his standing in Hollywood. You know, like, The Bodyguard, very popular, because horny mums are quite an audience. But, yeah, nobody has come on out of Game of Thrones in very good shape. Amelia Clark is trying, and kind of... None of them have had, like, a project, though, that no. they can pin their hat on. No. And, weirdly, Sophie Turner seemed like... If those X-Men movies had stuck, she might have been the one. <laughs> but, like, nope, they're all gone. Yeah, Kit is awful in this. I don't think Richard Madden is bad here. It's just this needs to be... You need to surround him with much better people to make that work. Because I get the characterization they're going for of, yeah, um, I think, I think Cavill Superman. Is, but like... You have cast all these charismatic actors, and, like, the only scene they really get to be charismatic is that dinner table scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even then, that's just kind of disgusting Marvel Mishikos, isn't it? Where it's mm-hmm. like, well, I can lead the Avengers, and Thor used to follow me around when yeah, I was Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, the Thor one. Yeah, like, when you actually just let them sit and talk together. Oh, look, this is actually really good and fun. Yeah, the Gemma Chan-Richard Madden romance, you, you don't buy it. <sighs> I don't know. It's difficult. She... It, 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 it's such a weird movie, and again, they just, just keep coming back to the fact that, like, I kind of have affection yeah. for it. Like, I it's mean, just this weird kid that's hanging out with the rest of the Marvel movies. And you're yeah. like, I appreciate you for being different and for trying something. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's weird, it's different. They probably won't do one like this again. But like, if we do see any kind of Eternals follow-up, I betcha they try and Guardians it up a bit. Because even the post credit scene, you know, it's injecting a little bit you, more flavour, isn't it? If you told me it? that like, James Gunn directed that, like, <laughs> in, like, I would go like, yeah, sure, that makes complete fucking sense. Yeah. But yeah, like it's just... It, it's kind of both... It, it's exactly what Marvel should be doing at this point, but mm. obviously it isn't interesting enough to actually propel them off in a new direction, but it's also got all the issues that all these post-Endgame movies have, where it's like, we are setting up nebulous stuff at this point mm. that we have no idea about. And, like, the, the villains aren't interesting enough. You've got rid of all the villains by the end of this movie, apart from Arishem, but we don't know in what context Arishem's going to come back, so villain wash is kind of a complete wash. <laughs> there's, no one, there's no one here that we want to come back because there's no one here to latch on to which even in Shang-Chi and Black Widow there has been that thing yeah. and I would hazard yes that like we are going to ha- give out all Marvel for the next two projects as well mm-hmm. yes <laughs> confirmed <laughs> <laughs> and it, are you, we just kind of like 
what is this weird stepchild in the middle of this year where like mm. I this was gonna be like in a year when they only had three movies, the final movie that we got for like a few months. Yeah. And like obviously in twenty twenty one world it we end the year with fucking Spider Man. Yeah. I would say if you sandwich this in between two monster hits, people might have been more forgiving. But like in theory Shang-Chi was kind of a hit and Spider-Man was a huge hit and yet that didn't help but maybe it's because you know Spider-Man isn't main Marvel in some ways and like Shang-Chi as I said is kind of a measured hit and Black Widow was not well received and there's no plan for the future like you know if you let's say Doctor Strange and and Love and Thunder are both really really good and Eternals comes out in between them I think maybe it gets a little bit less hate. <laughs> but it kind of seemed like this was a culmination yeah, of it, it a growing to, resentment. It gets to be like Ant-Man and the Wasp and yeah. Captain Marvel, where like, it's buoyed by the fact it's coming out in between Avengers 3 and Avengers 4. Like, yeah. But yeah. I, uh, Whatever. Hard, I mean, hard, weird, weird movie. Yeah. I mean, weird that... movie, and I kind of want to put on scenes from it right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've had a podcast like this where at the beginning you're like, yeah, no, it's, it's all right, it's good, it's okay. And then you spend like an hour trashing it. You know, but again, it's good. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's... It, it did win the Glad Media Award for Outstanding Film Wide Release. Right. Because, because of like the because only of a gay movie. Kiss. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Make it a TV show. Show me all their weird little families and supporting casts. Have them interweave. Show me flashbacks of what they did in history, what they did while they've been broken up. They're more meeting again. What that means. Oh, this is kind of shitty. I'm now mm. looking at what the Glad Media Awards for 2022 were for the film. So it, it beat... Everybody's talking about Jamie, The Mitchells vs. The Machines, Tick, Tick, Boom, and West Side Story. Three of those movies are way better than Eternals. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, look, we can't sit here being like, you know... <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing. It, it, it's a fundamentally weird movie where, like, describing mm. the plot is kind of pointless. It's kind of pointless <laughs> to go character by character because some of the characters are so ill-defined that there's no real point to them. Mm. And it, it's just one of those things where, like, I am baffled that it got the negative reception it does, even if I understand why it would be eternal for people. I just don't understand why this is this is the one that I, like, knives out. I think people are just getting a bit antsy for, like, I need, I need a big like headline hero movie yeah. i need to know who's the next big villain film twitter has obviously completely turned on marvel over the course of the year and then this one is like this is one of our people making one of these and they're like touting how pretty it is and then look at this one half second clip this looks like trash let's go in on it kind of thing and i'm not saying you know i'm not going to be one of those people that's like no all marvel movies are like oscar worthy and all that but like the the venom has increased over the last year i would say yeah like it, it's fully known that it's like again when i read the wrong tomato scores i'm like this is the one like mm-hmm. in comparison to black widow what if and falcon winter soldier and i understand all three of those have some level of comfort and this movie is like throwing you into a swimming pool and going like fucking you gotta win the olympics <laughs> within like 10 minutes I, like... what a metaphor <laughs> yeah I might use that in future okay well there you go it's weird we kind of like it it's by no means the worst thing they've ever made but that's what some of the scores say speaking of the future uh, we will be back next week with Hawkeye I believe <laughs> it is Hawkeye yeah, we're right? Doing, yeah. we're doing Hawkeye because we're going by premiere dates rather than finale dates because obviously right. 
Hawkeye ends after Spider-Man. Right, okay, so Hawkeye is next week. Spider-Man will close up our look at 2021. I'm excited to do Hawkeye again. It's uh, fun. It's going to be the Florence Pugh Hayley Stanfield Power Hour. And we're going to talk all about Daredevil Season 3 next week when we talk I'm planning on watching all of it. <laughs> binging Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks The Return. Okay. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to watch all of fucking Daredevil Season 3. In what between a weird thing to do in between those two things anyway. Anyway, uh, that is next week. Yeah, get your bowstrings ready and fire an arrow and uh, Excelsior, whatever. Bye, everyone. Excelsior, bye. bye. bye.